Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. Thanks, Brian, and happy birthday to your wife last week. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Still celebrating. She, right. She's only 30, right? Uh, uh, yeah, close. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Her pictures look like she's 30, at least. So. I, I agree. <laughs> Folks, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Comments, questions, or concerns. Get together on Saturday mornings. We discuss your yard, your landscape, your garden, your house plants. Potting mixes, how you're going to improve your soil, if you're going to add anything, how you're going to take out plants, what you can do, when you can prune, diseases, plant removals, plant installation. Remember, my words open opportunities. After that, it's going to be effort on your part on this in this great marathon. Not the rock and roll marathon. This is the gardening marathon uh, called gardening. It's never a sprint. You can sprint, but you know the end results are not going to be all that satisfying probably. This is your show, and I appreciate you being here. Thanks to Greg. Again, he's producing, I think it must be eight or ten weeks in a row now. So probably a record for the garden line. Usually I burn people out, and they go, oh, I don't want to do this show anymore. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. Been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations, and also I write articles for Missouri Gardener magazine. During the week, I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. There's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And today, after the show, I'm headed over to O'Fallon, Illinois for a walk and talk. The Good Gunning Stroll today is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. It steps off right now. Harvest time of year, I thought, hmm, where can I go that really exemplifies harvesting? Soulard's Farmer's Market, that's where I decided. And there's all kinds of tents and lights and all kinds of other stuff. This weekend, today at least, 11 till 10 tonight, the Oktoberfest is going to be there. But I was really there for the, uh, the market. And wow, there's a great banner that welcomes you. Also, the sign says Soulard's Farmer's Market since 17. 17- 79. Most vendors were not set up yet because it was only 615, but many were. And there was fantastic mums, some in baskets. There was gourds and pumpkins galore. There was gourmet Italian foods. There was produce, peppers, onions. I hate onions, but I have to mention them just to see if I can make myself not hate them as much. But when I walk by, I smelled them and oh. Anyway, sweet potatoes and beans and apples and homegrown potatoes as well. Butternut squash, ornamental peppers. And some great carved pumpkins, some really ugly gourds that were only two bucks. Actually, I bought uh, three gourds myself. Well, I only bought two ugly gourds and one white pumpkin. 
And uh, they had pumpkins that were bumpy, pumpkins that were smooth. There was cages of chickens. And apparently the, the city allows you to have eight chickens in your yard. There was ginger root in the indoor part of the Sular Market, the Spice Center. And on the floor, there was paws. And the paws said, next Saturday from 10 to 3, there's going to be an opportunity to adopt a pet at the Soulard Market Plaza. Halloween decorations were popping up here and there, and uh, the Soulard Florist offers some homegrown flowers arrangements as well. And sorry, you can't bring your dog down to the Soulard Market, but great varieties of honey, also hickory smoked hams, and actually, which I've never quite seen this before, but aloe vera, you know, that plant, kind of a succulent cactus you know, type thing, they had aloe leaves that you could get the leaf and just basically, I guess, squeeze the juice out of it and, and apply it to your skin. So all kinds of – if you haven't been to Sular Farmer's Market for a while, you got to get down there. This is a perfect time of year. It's so color – it's great all year round. There's no doubt about it. But this time of year, since it's harvest season, it just makes it even more fantastic. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, Mike Miller, yeah, I think that's me, KMOX Garden Hotline. Let's go to downtown O'Fallon, and that's where Bill lives. Hi, Bill. Hey, hello. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'll try to be as quick as possible. Actually, I have three questions I've been saving up trying to get in. And uh, the first has to do, in fact, I'll just give you the questions to hang up and listen. How's that? Well, you know, I might forget them, so. Okay, here we go. Okay. Uh, number one, um, last, um, after Christmas, uh, my wife was given a poinsettia, and we nursed it in the house, and we put it outside, and it's uh, gotten green and healthy. Great. And we want how do we transition that into the house and have it look nice for Christmas? Basically, bring it in. You know, you've got, you've got to get it inside fairly quickly. And then from this point, once you bring it inside, you want to give it about uh, 12 hours of darkness and 12 hours of, you know, sunlight or light or whatever. And what you're doing when you do that is you're duplicating what's happening where the poinsettia is native to. So at this time of year, the poinsettia is native country, which is like, you know, Central America. It has half a day of light and half a day of dark, so that's what you try to do. So when it, I mean dark, you got to like set it sort of in a closet or something like that. That's to- pretty much totally dark. Well, thank you. Uh, number two, um, how do you know when you need to put agricultural lime in your garden? When you to get a soil test and says the soil is acidic, you don't guess. Okay. I mean, if you really want to do it right, I mean, there's too many people that think lime is, is, you know, even on lawns or gardens or anything, it's it's the answer for lots of problems. It is not. It's salty. So it's not what you really want to do unless you have a soil test done and the soil pH is saying it's like below six. Seven is neutral. Six is when things start to get acidic. Then that's when you want to think, depending upon what you're trying to grow. You know, so the individual plants, some of them like acidic soil, some of them don't. All right, thank you. Um, Last, um, I have uh, six blueberries bushes that I grow in half barrels, and I'm getting ready to transition them into a permanent place. Uh, Many tips or suggestions there? They like acidic soil. 
Yes. And so right now, so you got to make sure that soil is prepared before you stick them in this, you know, in the new location. So get a soil test done, then find out what kind of soil pH that you have there. And from that point, then find out if you need to add, you know, some sulfur, iron sulfate, or whatever it happens to be to get the pH right to where Because I think with the blueberries, we're talking about a really acidic soil, like 5.6 or 5.9 or something like that, or maybe even a little bit lower. Hey, um, if you've got just a second, the St. Peter's offers a compost. Uh, they offer soil, and they offer compost. And so... Um, I have, I've had good success with perking up a garden using the fine black compost. How much is too much? Uh, really, there's not really too much. I mean, you don't want to grow stuff in pure compost because it doesn't have, let's say, the structural qualities of a compost soil mix. So just, you know, you don't have to keep adding it, you know, necessarily every year, but adding some, you know, an inch or two every year, mix it in with the existing soil. There's nothing wrong with that at all. You have been a world of help, and I do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you for calling. Now let's go to Crestwood, and that's where Pat lives. Hi, Pat. Hi, Mike. I have got four quick questions. On a clematis, it's starting to look real droopy and down toward the ground. The stalks net are looking real brown. Is it time to trim it back, or what should I do with it? Not necessarily. Clematis, historically, they always grow where the bottom loses all the leaves, and you're just going to end up with stems up to one to two feet. Then the foliage starts up from that. The reason why it's looking droopy is because it's been so dry. So just water it and leave it alone. If you want to cut it back, that's up to you. Uh, But uh, you don't necessarily have to. And even if you cut it back, you're not necessarily going to get new new foliage at the base or lower down on the stems. And if you do, they're only going to last for a year or two at the most. And also, I don't know what color you have, what variety you have, or anything else, but usually when they're cut back, they also go through a circumstance where they may not be true to color for a couple of years. Okay, it's, it's one of the purple ones. Okay, so just realize all those things happen. And with the clematis... You know, like the gentleman was asking about, you know, soil and limes and all that other stuff. They, like lilacs, like a soil pH is alkaline. So, you know, a handful of lime occasionally might not be a bad idea. Okay. And the next, and so if I let it go till springtime to cut it back, you know, to get rid of all the dead stuff, would that be better? Not necessarily. I mean, you can. You've really got from the virtually the time when the leaves are starting to fall off or basically getting close to falling off until the new growth begins. So the new growth is probably going to begin sometime in early May. So you have really six or seven months to cut it back. Oh, okay. All right. Now, when when does this variety bloom? Is it in the summertime or in the spring? It's Well, it starts early summer. Okay. So then it's, you know, summer bloomer. So then you should be able to cut it back you know, early in the spring, and then still have flowers that, you know, next year. Okay. And on, I received an amaryllis last year for Christmas. It did not bloom, so I planted it in the yard outside, and it's the leaves stayed beautifully green. So if I, should I dig it up and bring it in the house? Somebody told me you can leave it in the ground all year, and it'll bloom next year in the yard. Whoever told you that is full of it. <laughs> Okay. If I just dig it up and put it in fresh potting soil? and Yeah, potting mix, not potting soil. Cut the leaves off and just let it sit for a couple months. Then you should have a flower stalk coming up sometime around, uh, you know, the end of the year, early next year. 
Okay, if I so I bring it in, pot it, water it good, and then just kind of just when the soil's dry. Right. Okay. And holiday or Christmas cactus. I had it outside all summer. Now I brought them in. The soil is dry, so should I start watering now and then fertilize or not? Well, wait till you start to see some flower buds to start showing up before you start fertilizing. Okay. So you can fertilize. If you haven't fertilized it at all, even when it was outside or anything else, you probably wouldn't hurt. But whatever fertilizer you use, you should get a fertilizer for cactus and succulents. You know, it says it right on the on the box, and do about half label rate because the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Okay, and the very last thing I have a couple, I don't know how you pronounce it, Euronymous bushes, the golden, right in the front, and all of a sudden now they're sending out new long shoots. Can I trim those off now, or should I wait till spring? No, you can cut them off now if you want to. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate all your help. Thank you very much. Yep. Good luck with that. And let's jump across the river and go to Belleville, and that's where Joe lives. Hi, Joe. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, is it too late in the season to fertilize fertilize zoysia grass? Absolutely. Too late. Too late. Okay. Because I had a fungus problem this summer, and I sprayed three different times with some fungus uh, killer. Right. Should I continue to do that, or is uh, virtually, it should be shutting down. Isn't yours starting to turn brown? Yes, it is. Right. So, I mean, the f- the fungus, you know, could still stay there, but it's got to be more or less actively growing on actively growing blades to be, you know, for the fungicide to be effective. So probably what I would do is just, I don't know what kind of yard you have or anything else, but just kind of rake it on occasional basis with like a leaf rake to prevent, you know, to make sure there's not a whole lot of, let's say, debris on the ground in your zoysia because sometimes that can sort of harbor or keep the, let's say, fungus spores viable until next year when it starts growing again. But I would, since you know you have had a history this year of the fungus problems, as soon as it starts greening up next year, then go ahead and start spraying the fungicide and do it about every two or three weeks for, you know, three or four applications. Okay, I guess I'll just take it easy till next year then. Right, All right. exactly. <laughs> All right, thank you. Yeah, and right. but for everybody, you know, whether it's zoysia, bluegrass, fescue, or anything else, as long as your grass is still growing, keep mowing. So don't cut it, don't scalp it down, you know, with anything. Because those blades, you don't want it to elongate too much because if the blades, grass blades get long and we have hard rains, it's going to get matted down. And there's a, you know, sort of a factory for fungus problems. And there are fungus, fungus that happen in the wintertime. They're not as deadly as the summer fungus. But also, you just don't want to cut it too short because if we get a really harsh winter, then the blades actually act as an insulator. It's like a coat for the crown. And the crown is where the root system and the blades actually you know, meet. And that's where, the, let's say, the brains of the growth of the grass blades are grass plants are so just remember that and let's go to gary and brentwood gary how are you yeah hi um i have a question about i wanted to plant a tree and i I don't i don't know if it's too late to plant it or not i wanted to get a bald cypress is it too late to plant that no it's not too late you can plant all the way up you know trees are shrubs you can plant all the way up until the ground's frozen 
Just make sure whenever, whatever size you get that you dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% as deep. So in other words, the top 20% of the root ball is going to be above the surrounding ground to allow for settling. It's not cr- that crucial with the bald cypress because they're swamp growers. So the reason why I always tell people to elevate the root ball is because you don't want a depression ending up around the, the trunk of the tree. And water might settle there. But with a bald cypress, it really doesn't matter that much. But I would still plant it so the, you know, the top part of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. Okay. I wasn't too sure that there would be any math involved, but I, I, that makes sense. And then lastly, if I wanted to uh, prune some azalea bushes, is, do you have any sort of literature that I could find on that? I would probably just go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see about that. But, you know, azaleas, anything that blooms in the springtime, if you prune them now— you got, you're cutting off the flowers for next year. Oh. So if you cut anything spring blooming in the fall, that's it. The flower buds are gone. They can't reform them. So that's why with any spring bloomer, whether it's forsythia, whether it's azalea, what, no, spirea, it doesn't really matter what it is. You got to basically prune it right after they finish flowering. And then the, the last gentleman who called in Belleville, he's talking about fungus in his yard, right? Yes, and zoysia. Oh. oh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Hey. hey, guys, this is Alex. And Amy. And we are back with another season of Wendy's Week in Hockey, but now a new time, Monday nights from 7 to 9 o'clock. Join us for Blues Conversation, player and coach interviews, NHL roundups, and more. We'll take you inside the locker room and around the league. All of that comes your way every Monday night on your home for the best Blues coverage, KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, if you go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, I've got the monthly update for October. And one of the things I've talked about is your tropical bulbs and tubers, your elephant ears, your cannas, your dahlias, your caladiums. They're falling asleep. So this past week, this past Wednesday, actually, I cut all my cannas down. Because, I mean, the foliage was, you know, at the top was still looking pretty good, but the foliage lower down. I had to cut off some of the leaves. I cut off a bunch of elephant ear leaves, too. My elephant ears are in flower right now. And um, let's see, I, what else related to that? But I move, I've moved one pot that was just totally the cannas into the garage to let that pot totally dry out. Then I'm going to pull the cannas out with the potting mix, shake off the potting mix, then get them ready to bring inside and put in the basement because I found out that a couple years I left them in the garage, you know, in paper bags and stuff like that. I've left some in pots, and some years they just didn't make it through. You know, in the spring when I went out there to check them out, they were like, ooh, they were black and stinky and everything else. Also, when you start pulling your summer tubers, you know, or roots or bulbs or whatever up out of the ground, if they're soft, if they're bruised, if they smell, just get rid of them. Don't try to save them. Let's go to the phones now. Let's go to Wayne, and he's on the road. Hey, Wayne. My question is, I've got a number of indoor potted plants, large ones that we've accumulated uh, over the years, and the large pots have eroded quite a bit, and I want to repot like Chinese evergreens and the chifferilla and some other uh, plants. What's a good brand or type of potting soil uh, for indoor plants to repot basically you don't want potting soil you want potting mix 
So just make sure it says mix on it. It doesn't matter what company or anything else. The mixes are basically when you lift the bag, it can be big, but it's not heavy. If you lift up potting soil, that bag weighs a ton. And for inside, for tropical plants, for those kind of things, you want potting mix. Now, that means it's got better drainage and everything else. And as far as, you know, repotting, don't do it this time of year. Wait until we're coming out of wintertime. Great. Thanks. I appreciate that very much. Yep. And as far as those extended fertilizing and things like that where they say, oh, just put this down, you know, put this on your potting mix or mix it in with your potting mix or buying potting mix with it in it, that's, you know, say it'll fertilize your plants for up to several months. I've never really had very good luck with that doing anything at all other than costing a little bit more. Suzanne is in St. Louis. Hi, Suzanne. Hi. I just pulled up uh, some giant hostas from my dad's yard and uh, what else? Uh, Ajuga and sedum. Um, I'm hoping that I can transplant them to my yard today and they'll survive the winter. Is there enough time for them in the next couple of weeks to grow roots and, and survive the winter? Hang up the phone right now and get out there and start working. <laughs> no, the hosta are pushing it. Yes, the, you're all right. Tick, 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 tick. The hosta are probably fine because they have huge root systems. The ajuga, that's going to be really iffy, and the sedum should be able to make it. But uh, if you have the areas prepared, get them, you know, get them planted as soon as you possibly can, and make sure you water them in, and make sure you water them every couple days. You know, if we don't have any rain. Because you want okay. to keep the root system viable, even on the sedum, which is you know basically something that doesn't need a whole lot of water. But hang up the phone and get out there and start working. I will right, right. away. All right. Bye. <laughs> uh, Jacob, Illinois, and that's where Ron happens to live. Hi, Ron. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, I have a pear tree that I started from from a seed, the Bartlett pear, mm-hmm. and it's about ten inches tall. I've got it in a pot, and I was wondering. With the winter, what's the best thing to do with it? Leave it there or bring it in or go ahead and plant it now? Basically, is it, you know, it's, so it's still growing in a pot. Is a pot above the ground? Yes. So dig a hole, just drop the pot down into the hole, leave about two inches or one inch of the pot top above the surrounding ground and let it grow in a pot for a couple, you know, a year or two. Well, this is, is plastic. Uh, do I have to put it in a, will it be okay to leave it in the plastic uh, Yeah. Pot? Basically, you know, I'm assuming it has drainage holes in the bottom. Yeah. So you're fine. You shouldn't be any problems. Just, you know, don't put it in like, don't dig the hole where you're going to drop the pot into in a heavy clay soil area because that may prevent the water from being able to drain out. But if you've got any kind of garden space or any area where the soil's been improved and has sort of adequate drainage, just put it right in there. Because if you stick in the, you know, I mean, it may survive if you pull it out and just plant it. But I always like anything young and small like that. I like to grow it in a pot for a couple of years. That way you can kind of control the environment a little bit more. And just leave it sunk into the ground for a year or two. And then decide, you know, if, when you want to move it and where you want to move it to. Well, could you, could you just put it where you want it permanently? Uh, in the pot? Yes. Well, you could, but ultimately you're going to have to pull it out of the pot. Or you okay. probably should. Okay, and then... Like when it gets colder and when it goes dormant, do you still need to water it occasionally or just leave it alone? Well, you should be able to leave it alone. But if we have, an, uh, you know, some months 
like we had for September, which was so extremely dry. Yeah. Anything like that that probably doesn't have a huge root system yet, it wouldn't hurt to go out there with, you know, let's say a half gallon of water once a month or so and just water it if there hasn't been any, you know, rainfall for a whole, you know, several weeks. Okay. All right. Well, I sure thank you. Yep. Anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Your hardy bulbs. Have you gotten your daffodils from Operation Brightside? Today is the last day. Their Operation Brightside is actually, I had mine dropped off. Because I'm too, no. Because they're in Forest Park at the greenhouses. People are going to be stopping by getting their tulips or daffodils and other things like that. But also with your hardy bulbs, it's a little bit too early to plant them. I'm going to start getting my pots ready. I have a bunch of pots by my front door with all kinds of different stuff. Sweet potato vines. I've got uh, purple passions. I've got some you know, tropical-type bulbs that I'm going to be bringing in. And then I have a lot of crotons or codiums. And what I do is I just pull one pot, of you know, which has tropicals in it right now. I put a new pot out there that I'm going to fill up with potting mix and then in a couple more weeks, I'm going to start planting my tulips and daffodils and stuff like that and my grape hyacinths. So it's, I grow them in pots more so than in the ground. I, just, I have more fun with them in the pots. So I'm, I guess I'm kind of snooty. But anyway, so with your hardy bulbs, it's a little too early to plant. If you live in an area where you have a lot of deer problems, the daffodils, the deer won't bother. Nothing really will bother the daffodils because... You know, they're poisonous. I don't know how animals sense when something's poisonous, but obviously if they don't, then they're killed, and that's it for them anyway. But uh, so enough of that. Rick from uh, Lebanon, Illinois, how are you today? Doing great. I had a question for you. I've got a, a whole area out front of my yard that has got a lot of poison ivy through it. Ooh. And my thought was this spring to dig up um, everything that's out there and – then uh, try to, I guess, get rid of the poison ivy. I'm just wondering what the best approach to that is. If you want to get rid of it, you're going to have to use an herbicide. And just realize, you know, to get out there and dig it up, you know, you can get, if you're sensitive to poison ivy, even just the sap out of the root systems, you can get the, you know, let's say the rash as a result of that. So it's a little bit too late. I don't know how you want to go about doing this. But when you start to want to use, let's say, use an herbicide to get rid of it as opposed to trying to dig it, you got to get an herbicide like Roundup for killing woody plants, and it'll say right on the container, you know, poison ivy killer and woody plant killer. No other herbicide is really going to be all that effective. I'm not saying you have to use Roundup, but you have to use one for killing woody plants. Yeah, I, I actually heard you say that before. I, I guess my concern is it's so massive throughout the whole thing i thought the best approach was to actually dig it all up and and kind of save the plants i wanted to and then try to just rototill the rest of it and get rid of it but i'm just wondering what when the best time is in the spring to do that as soon as you start to see it greening up but just realize that if you let's say get definitely get your good plants out of there you know plant them someplace where you can you know out of this area entirely but if you go out there and rototill, you're just going to be tearing up the root system, and that's not going to necessarily kill it. So that's why you're going to have to come back after you rototill it, and it may take a year or two to finally get rid of the poison ivy. It's not going to be a one-time you know, circumstance for this. 
So just keep that in mind. And the reason why I'm saying that is when my family first moved from the city out to Ellisville, we had a huge thing of poison ivy at the you know far end of our backyard. We had a farmer come in, he you know, with a tractor and a plow or something, I forget exactly what mechanism he had. And he tore it all up and you know, that got rid of a lot of it, but we still battled poison ivy for several years way back then. Now we've got different herbicides and things like that, but just realize it's not gonna be gone just with one, let's say one big effort. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, Poison Ivy. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. We're going south a little bit, and we're going into Dan's yard, and Dan lives in Melville. Hi, Dan. Hi, how are you doing? Very good. Listen, about five years years ago, I took down a tree. I had a tree taken down, Mm -hmm. and uh, I... uh, Filled it up with dirt, and, and I think I put compost. I think that's what I did, and I planted grass. The grass took, and uh, it's about a two-and-a-half-inch diameter ring, and now over the and the grass took, I got zoysia, and it looks fine, but now I got a depression, about a two-inch depression. My more hangs onto it, and I like to build that up to make it level with the ground. Uh, what do I do? Do I can I cover the grass as it is, or what, what should I put down? You shouldn't probably no. You shouldn't probably not bury the grass. And you know it's almost a little bit too late to do this, but maybe wait until next year when the zoysia starts greening back up. Cut that piece out, and then put some topsoil compost mix underneath it, and then lay the sod back down. Oh, okay. Cut the sod out of the grass in the circle, and then and then. If I, and, then, and then put something on it to raise it and then put it back down? Exactly. And raise it a, probably like an inch or so higher than what you would think it's needed. So if, if it's depressed two inches, put it three inches so that allows from, for some settling because that's what's happened to you. It's actually whatever you put in this spot, you know, it's finally settled down. All the air pockets and everything else is gone, and you're going to try to prevent that. So if it does settle, it'll settle at grade. Okay, so you think it's, it hasn't quite settled yet, huh? Right. Because the reason why, even though you have the stump ground out and everything else, there is still wood underneath there, and the wood is finally slowly but surely rotting away, and that's causing the depression. So whether it's trunk wood, whether it's root system wood, it doesn't matter what kind of wood it is, but it finally is rotting. Okay, so bottom line is cut that piece of grass out now, put about three inches of of, uh, compost, I wouldn't use straight compost. I'd use it like a compost topsoil mix. But I don't know if I would do it now because we're no. getting awfully late in the season because the garden centers no longer are even selling, you know, zoysia sods. So that means the zoysia is a little bit marginal as far as being able to get a root system established before we go into wintertime. So this spot may be killed entirely. I would wait till next year when the zoysia starts greening up uh-huh. and just kind of, you know, keep your fingers crossed that it doesn't drown during the wintertime. I see. Oh, it, it, it's, it's been that way for a couple of years. It just keeps getting a little worse. Yeah, right. It's getting more and more water could settle in there and just drown out the root system of your zoysia. Okay, thank you very much. Yep. And now let's go to St. Anne. So we're headed north from Melville and into John's yard. Hi, John. Hi, how are you doing today? Very good. Good. Um, I'm just trying to get a handle on uh, rose bushes and uh, when to cut them back. And uh, I got, like... Um, the regular climbers and regular bushes, and then and then once cutting them back, um, can I put 
mulch from cutting my grass and leaves on them for protection against freezing, or do I need to get uh, compost or, or commercial mulch to do that? You're probably better off to get commercial, to be honest with you. And I, you know, it's up to you, whatever you want to do. It's just if you use leaves and grass and all that other stuff, it's not really a good mulch. It doesn't really act. It's kind of like, let's put it this way. In the wintertime, you can wear a coat that's fairly thick, or you can wear a thin coat. And one is going to certainly protect you from the weather more so than the other. The thick one's going to – and the regular mulch that you would buy is going to protect your plant's root system, your rose root system, better than a thin mulch, which is going to basically just break down on its own. And as far as cutting any of your roses back, I would not cut the climbing roses back at all until next spring when the new growth starts coming out. Then cut off just the dead stuff. And the other types of roses wait until we have a fairly hard frost. So you might be waiting until, let's say, mid to late November, early December before you're going to cut them back. Oh, okay. Okay. So leave the rose hips. Let the rose hips form. That's those little things that look like little apples, you mm-hmm. know, where the you know petals fall off. Let yeah. all that just go. Leave it alone and, you know, wait for, you know, it could be two months before you're going to actually prune them. For the, the regular roses. Right. And then next spring... The climbers. Right. When you, the off. new growth starts out, then find out what parts are not producing any kind of leaves, then cut all that dead stuff off. And if you want to cut them back a little bit more, do it at that time as well. Okay. Um, now, when you say commercial compost, do I, you, do I have to go to the one of those St. Louis composting? Or well, can you can go to... Bag, bag, bags from Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. Just so you're getting mulch. Don't use compost. Make sure you're getting mulch. Mulch. Right. Usually that stuff's pretty thick or big, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's big pieces there. But it's still, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like you, when you get a big, thick, heavy coat, it's not just solid and weighs 500 pounds. It has air in, you know, in the material. Oh, okay. So that's what the mulch is able to do. Whether, you know, something like compost using compost as a mulch, it just packs down too much. Yeah, I like okay, to have a little so air circulation in there. How, how many inches tall or high should I... Probably like six, six or eight inches, you know, because we don't know what the weather's going to be like. And then in the springtime, when the new growth starts, you start taking the mulch back off of it two inches at a time. Oh, okay. Springtime, yeah. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Yep, good luck with that. And anybody, you know, you can always check with the Missouri Botanical Garden website, too, to get a little more information. Alton, Illinois, Lucia, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Very good. Good. I have one question and two comments. <laughs> In my backyard, I have a, it was a beautiful dogwood. It's about at least 30 feet tall, hmm. two, two feet in diameter. It's huge. So I'm suspecting that it's very old. Yes. And the branches have started dying and it's got green moss growing on the branches. Is it? dying <laughs> well if the leaves if the branches are not leafing out yes it's definitely dying having the moss or lichen or anything like that growing on the trunk or the branches that's not the factor that's killing it you know oh. so that's not the problem it's probably aging more so than anything else that's what i thought i was afraid of that yeah uh, okay it, it does have some leaves on it and of course they're falling off now sure but Okay, I guess until it stops doing that, I'll leave it alone. I love my trees. Right. And last week, uh, 
I've somebody called in, and I have a solution uh, for raccoons ah. getting getting in the yard. Uh, it used to look like Wild Kingdom in our backyard. I had raccoons, possums, and the cutest little groundhog. Anyway, it, they were all over the place, and my husband put um, mothballs all ah. around the all around the fence on the outside and hot pepper flakes and they stay out now yep well great well thanks for the insight yes and also last spring i called it was or this it was real early in the year a tree a car ran through my yard my front yard and knocked down a small dogwood Mm -hmm. and everybody said it wouldn't make it and i called you and you said it probably won't i'm happy to tell you that after a quick prayer and <laughs> and putting it back up and getting it safe, it has gone through that it grew or it had leaves and it flowered and it's it's just beautiful. Well, so, that's great because this yeah. was a very difficult year for lots of different things, especially something has been hit by a car. So thanks, yeah. Lucia. And now let's go to Bill and Alton. Bill, can you could do it kind of quick? Um, yeah, earlier you mentioned uh, something about your elephant ears were blooming. Yes. I didn't think elephant ears could bloom. How do you do that? Well, it's just age. I mean, my elephant ear bulbs are like the size of, you know, they're bigger than pineapples. So, oh. and so just, you know, go online and look what the fly. It's not a classic looking flower by any means. It's a stalk that comes up that kind of has a wrap around it. And then it has a white, you know, let's say, finger sticking up inside the wrap. So that's the, actually the uh, the flower. So it's an you know it's an aging factor as much as anything. But uh, I don't know if you remember or you were listening the day. But last year I I took some of the flowers that had been formed and I just placed them in some potting mix. And actually some of the some way you know there were some seeds there. And actually I got baby elephant ears. And I have one growing in the you know a window box in our kitchen outside. And uh, so consequently, I've never had that kind of luck before, but now my elephant ears probably have four flowers on them, so I'm going to try again to see if I can get some more to, you know, form seeds and germinate and grow more elephant ears that way. Okay. Um, Second question, Uh, you say you plant your bulbs in big pots. How big are your pots, and how in the world do you keep them from freezing? Uh, They freeze. That's fine. I just I make sure they're not up next to the edge of the pot. Uh, my pots are any place between, some are just like bigger window boxes, so they're like three feet long and one foot wide. And, um, you know, that's the ones I put the grape hyacinths in. But uh, some of them are two feet across, some of them are a little bit bigger than that. And I've, you know, the bottom part of them is gravel and rock and then, you know, potting mix. And then I just put the bulbs in there and they, they do fine. Oh, the pot is two feet across. Right. That's big. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I've grown them in smaller ones, too, so just realize that. Well, Bill, we got to go. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.